it's all, I mean, all these issues, it's the one thing my mother is really right. It's all these issues are connected. It's all, mm -hmm. and in this case, it's all about safety. It so exemplifies Helen Rosenthal's whole world outlook, mm. which is as long as I virtue signal that I care about the most, to them, they think it's the most downtrodden, right? That are the most important. So women don't really figure in. So whoever says that they're the most marginalized, then they're going to side with them, no matter what the repercussions are. It, but the most marginalized are the people who get injured. That's the most marginalized people. And the people, people who, who have no stabbed, People who have been uh, masturbated in front of people. They don't care about that. They can act however they want. They'll support them. They want more, you know, let more people in this. This is insane. Yeah, and the victims just have no voice whatsoever. You never hear from, you know, those people, that that particular group, you know. So they have absolutely no power, the victims, obviously. No. And they'll re-victimize them over and over again. Get rid of bail, you know, get rid of bail, let these criminals out. Did you see that there's, like, they don't seem to even want to house level one sex offenders. Uh, my friend Roberta Glass is here. We're talking about uh, the state of New York City currently, uh, the Upper West Side, I suppose. Uh, what's going on in New York? Uh, it seems they've moved a lot of uh, homeless people into uh, luxury hotels. So what happened because of COVID, they didn't want them in the homeless shelters where it would be, you know, an open space. And because of tourism was down, they thought this brilliant uh, idea of putting homeless people, many sex offenders, many mentally ill, many um, actively addicted to drugs in a very small condensed space area, right? And it also, <laughs> and so that they could have, I think they house them I don't know if they have them two to a room or one to the to a room. I've heard that it's two to a room. I don't even know how that's COVID possible. I don't know how they work that out. And these are two hundred and fifty to three hundred dollar a night hotels that they are in. <laughs> oh my god! Which I think honestly is really sort of to me it's it's upsetting because first of all there is a safety issue like you were talking about earlier. Women and children who are in this situation, uh, I think, should be separate from men in the situation, to be honest, because it's so dangerous for women in that situation versus, you know, the predatory male who's in that situation, if, if all that makes sense. And what's really upsetting to me is, A, like, okay, put them in a hotel where they have, like, no real access to, like, sustainable lifestyle, you know what I mean? Like, there's no kitchen in there. There's nothing that you can, I guess they're, what are they, letting them set up hot plates? Like, it's just very, it's like a Band-Aid solution. Like, all of the stuff that we see, uh, these sorts of policies enacted seem just like Band-Aids. Like, they don't, I, I mean, I sometimes think it's orchestrated, but I don't know how such stupidity could be <laughs> orchestrated, if that makes sense. Right. And, and without really telling anyone this was happening. And now, of course, Helen Rosenthal, my city council representative, said, oh, well, if you had signed up for uh, my newsletter, I would have told you this was she didn't warn people. She just reacted when people started responding to the public masturbation. One woman was stabbed in my subway station at noon. 
Uh. Um, you see them when you walk towards Broadway. You know, they set up on chairs and they stay there all day, just smoking and right. hanging out. Like they don't want to stay at the hotel, so they're brought, they're sometimes sleeping on mattresses outside. It's just the neighborhood is totally transformed. Uh, to an area where people are publicly defecating, catcalling, masturbating, ODing in Dwayne Reed. And the counter reaction to the first, it was a group of, uh, of concerned mothers who got together. Now there's a larger group uh, called, I think it's Upper West Siders for Safety. And there's a, and there's a Howard Johnson's in Midtown, which doesn't seem to be I think that's a Howard Johnson's a hotel of that sort. That's sort of more like a middle level hotel that's not being utilized. It's just interesting that the the really ritzy, more ritzy hotels are being utilized in a very um, family oriented neighborhood, not mm-hmm. like on the edge of town, not on the sort of just but right in the center of things and in a very condensed area. Near um, and within, and many of these people are sex offenders, level mm-hmm. two and level three. Mm-hmm. And many of those sex offenders, first we heard there were four pedophiles living in the Hotel Bellaclair, and now that has gone up to 14 uh, sexual predators, 13 of which are child rapists. And so the reaction, the counter reaction to this was the very I would say politically far left people got together, not from the neighborhood. Nobody would say to the journalists where they where they live, but right. they came from their neighborhood to my neighborhood, outside one of these hotels, the three hotels housing these people, to say. And I think it was the Hotel Bellaclair. If I'm, I'm maybe the help, uh, maybe the Lucrin. Anyway, to say welcome to the neighborhood, to basically shame everybody who's concerned about the safety and welfare of people living in this neighborhood. Welcome to the neighborhood. And then they gave a demonstration on how to revive someone with Narcon. Yeah. Um, if they're ODing, like that's the issue. They didn't give a, a lesson to the people. It was such an interesting response. I really was thinking about it. Like they didn't say, oh, we're going to give everybody in the neighborhood um, free how to defend yourself classes. <laughs> you know, self-defense class. Gonna, yeah, right, right. We're going to give everybody rape whistles. We're going to give everybody. No, it was all to the concern of the people who lived in the hotel that that's 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 who should be cater to as if they're not being catered to enough but even if they were actually trying to help these people i think if they were really trying to help them they would first of all i mean we talked about this the you know the mental health of a lot of these people is really bad and uh, mm-hmm. they should probably be in some kind of institution and the right. reason why those institutions are gone or mainly what it was the 1980s yeah where Reagan decided those weren't a place for people anymore. I forget exactly what happened, but I do know that a lot of those facilities were shut down. Um, so, you know, I don't think they're actually helping these people. I, I think they think that they are in some weird. It's always a neoliberal right reaction where it's, we'll just throw money and a minimal amount of resources, you know, it's not really, I mean, I don't know if they're educating these people or if they're trying to get get them like a skill set that could 
um, you know, be helpful to them. Like, I have no idea what they're doing as far as programs that are helping these people. Most facilities, um, unlike a luxury hotel, uh, I would assume have programs like that for these people. I, I don't, you know, what's, right. what and are they actually very, doing? It was an interesting, too, because before the before these people held this welcome to the neighborhood party, the articles that came out in our local papers were all about the sexual predators living near playgrounds, near schools, and that this was a family neighborhood. So they came and they changed the conversation to be about the neighborhood doesn't want drug addicts. So we're going to tell them they, it was this one person that overdosed in Dwayne Reed mm. uh, and I believe was revived. So they're going to change the conversation to be about, to be about pedophiles to now being about the drug addicts. And it was just, they never want to talk about the violence and they never want to talk about the sexual predators that are living here. It's always that the response has been from this group normal, which got $2.2 million from our local politicians to, I guess, educate IV their they do a host of things. I don't, you know, God knows. They came out and said everybody's racist and anti-homeless who doesn't like this. Yeah. Uh, Meanwhile, it's really funny. You have, so you sent me this Twitter thing and it's this account that says, uh, I guess the name of the account is Abolish Cops and Cars. And oh, yeah. it was a response and it says, I'm honored and proud to in, and she didn't even write to in. I think she meant to say live, but I'm honored and proud to live in the Hell's Kitchen neighborhood that supports these institutions. And I live, have lived across the street from a methadone clinic and a homeless youth shelter, uh, Covenant House expanding its HK site. Does that mean Hong Kong? Mm -hmm. Not sure. Uh, now let's build 10 more. I mean, that just really creeped me out. And then you hover over this person's account and it says, say her name, Rekia Boyd, Claudia Patricia Gomez Gonzalez, Sandra Bland, Free Asanta, and Violence Against Women. So mm -hmm. There's just such a huge disconnect here. It's like, what do you think is, what? who's creating violence against women, right? It's men. And what kind of men are they? You know, like, what is the cognitive disconnect here? I, I don't get it. I don't get well, it. Note that she doesn't live in the neighborhood. And New York has had methadone clinics for, for years that have happily existed in many different neighborhoods. Any, any major hospital. New mm -hmm. Upper West Side doesn't have a, a major hospital. Hence, we don't have a methadone clinic in this neighborhood. So, uh, and what a conflation of the issue. A methadone clinic and a homeless youth shelter are not the same thing as putting a bunch of homeless people, a bunch right. of, uh, you know, serial rapists and pedophiles in luxury hotels. It's right. not the same. Right. Thing. Exactly. Exactly. And also, we saw with the COVID, a lot of these prisoners being dangerous mm -hmm. prisoners being mm -hmm. released. That and was crazy, too. I wonder yeah. if some of them ended up in these hotels. I don't know. Uh, you know, it's it's of all of one one I ideology, which is safety doesn't matter. But, that, but it's such a weird reversal, isn't it? Because they're using the COVID narrative to say that it, this is for your safety. It's for their safety. But, like, whose safety are we talking about? Not women and right. children. And they'll always call prisoners the vulnerable population. 
Well, we're the vulnerable population once these once these dangerous criminals get released. Exactly. And not all of them are dangerous. I will say that. Right. But when dangerous criminals are released, who's vulnerable? And, you know, the recidivism rate is so high. Like, a lot of these guys is specifically with sexual crime. Mm-hmm. So. And another thing is that, that Helen Rosenthal is also for defunding the police by a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so what's going to happen? You create all this da- these dangerous situations, and then what happens? We have we don't have the police to support this this kind of community. And she went on New York One saying everybody's racist, and she wants more. <laughs> and I really connect this, and I had my own. Uh, interaction with Helen Rosenthal when I went and I spoke with her privately uh, about the mandatory sexual harassment training that has nothing to do with sexual harassment, everything to do with transgender ideology mm-hmm. and furthering that narrative, which is a bizarre training. Uh, anybody can e- email me. If, I'll send you the link. I'll link it below for it sure because yeah, I've seen it. Below. I've seen the it's, same it's thing. Absolutely insane. I'm and she him. understood, she said to me, I don't know if this is just political banner, banter, that she understood my concerns, that it was concerning, that so much of this training was about transgender ideology. And that at that same, in a different breath, she said that there's enough room for everybody's rights, women's rights, as if womanhood was a toy that I would have to share with everybody. And again, the safety concerns were completely blown off. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just absolute insanity. It's unrecon- the neighborhood is unrecognizable. And for those that it's very easy for people who don't live in this neighborhood to judge mm. and say, oh, well, those are just some rich white Karens. But <laughs> there are many people like me who live in middle class income housing here and who are concerned for their safety. It's almost like, and I saw a lot of tweets saying that this is sort of what we deserve. We deserve to be punished with public masturbation and eat the rich and kind of, you know, very hostile. We deserve the violence. We deserve to live in an unsafe community and, you know, kind of like F you. Yeah. I mean, for um, the sin, for the sin, for the sin of our privilege, I guess that's what that means. Well, there's been a lot of uh, really significant pre-programming and things like I was just watching today and things like car commercials. Uh, I saw an advertisement for a refrigerator or stove company, I suppose, some sort of kitchen electronics company that was like, this is the old way. And it was showing all this very um, kind of imagery of like wealth. Um well, we, we are totally void of a class conversation in this culture, first of all. So, you know, we don't talk about it, um, but we only talk about it in very, like, sort of hyper, um, I don't know what, what word I would use, but sort of polarizing ways where it's like, there's only two kinds of people, really poor and really rich, and the really rich people all live on the Upper West Side, so they deserve all of, all of this stuff that's happening to them. And Mm -hmm. that's just not true. No one deserves uh, to be put in a vulnerable position. That's just, you know, and, and this is, I mean, 
We're not talking about actual rich people either. All I'm saying is that it's not like Jeff Bezos or Nancy Pelosi or Bill Gates or any of those people, you know, are um, put at risk in this situation. You know, it's the neighborhood of the Upper West Side. I don't, you, right. know, you know what I mean? So it's these people have the luxury to live in very secure places, big you know, gated homes, uh, and so they have no idea what their what poli- their policies are doing to regular people. Uh, well, also, you know, and I think a lot of these young people forget what New York was like. Mm-hmm. You know, it used to be extremely dangerous. Uh, the New York of the seventies and the eighties, and even the early nineties. Yeah, and I remember that. I've always had. My my father was from New York. I've always had family in New York. I've, cho- I've chosen to live here for the last couple decades, um, and I've watched it become, you know, sadly lose some of its character, but also become incredibly safe. And to watch it reverse so quickly, and this happened before COVID, our crime was going mm-hmm. up. And my mother was visiting, and I said, "Oh, let me walk you to the." So I was just worried, and she just sort of kind of pooed it because it was so foreign to her that New York would ever be dangerous in the middle of the day again. Right. But I could feel you could feel it coming before this. The statistics were going up, people were starting to smoke, and and it was also I felt in conjunction with less of a police presence on the subways, <laughs> and. Um, and that we have probably the, the laziest mayor in the history of, of New York. I, I don't I don't remember a late in, in my my memory. Yeah. So he he doesn't want to, He he got elected because he wanted to put in all this affordable housing and really represent the middle income people, and he's done almost nothing. Uh, so it's again that standing on this sort of virtue signal platform right. where you can say, uh, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And people, for some reason, still eat this stuff up. I have no idea why, to be honest. They never do what they're going to say. So I don't understand uh, the, you know, it's just kind of stupid, I think, to to believe what these politicians are promising. Who was it that, like, came in? Giuliani. Yeah, it was Giuliani. Giuliani. And it was in, within a weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, this is before cell phones. So when before you walk around New York and you hear like dense smoke, people trying to sell you marijuana on the street. Yeah. uh, You know, drug deals were done on the street. And within a a weekend, er everybody was arrested. It was this mass arrest um, of all the drug dealers, all the and, and Alphabet City was totally just cleaned up. That's wild. A couple of weeks. It was crazy. And I and I think people think, oh, everybody's so left wing in, in New York, and that and that is true of a lot of the population. But they forget we had, a, you know, a real Republican mayor who was very popular. Mm-hmm. So because uh, that's what happens when things things were so bad, people will and you know, Jen Smith made this point will ask for sort of a strong, a stronger presence to come in and clean stuff up. Like, it's almost inevitable, that pattern, I feel. And I think there's also a, a big co- a connection between uh, Jerry Nadler, who's also uh, my my congressman, co-sponsored the 
the Equality Act. He made fun of a woman who, who by misgendering her, purposely calling her a man, who questioned him about his stance on transgenderism and um, promoting transgenderism uh, of children. And he ran uh, unopposed last time. This time he's uh, Kathy Bernstein, who's a Republican, who's really speaking out about these hotels and is really keeping everybody informed about what's going on. It's running against him. Does she have a chance in hell of winning? Most people will say no. You know, so we get sometimes we get these politicians that become like kings that, <laughs> that just kind of sit in there, not doing much um, and just. Right, because you know, they've already looking. inherited the hard work of somebody else. Right. So, like, I don't know. You can make a lot of arguments about um, what happened in New York and and gentrification and things like this. But I think about these topics, you know, in terms of Philadelphia as well. And I didn't honestly see it coming. I wasn't paying too much attention to the crime rates um, when I came back here. Um, But last summer, I didn't feel like I felt like the city was a lot safer. It was a lot cleaner. Um, And I don't mind that, to be honest, because I guess I've been to places like, you know, Japan, where everything is like that already. And there's, you know, a a fairly low rate of violence. Um, I mean, they, they do have an issue and there's lots of other issues about Japan we can discuss, but... The safety I felt there was unparalleled to anywhere else mm-hmm. I've been in the world, um, you know, and I've been a lot of places. So it was last summer in Philadelphia, I felt like things were pretty safe, pretty clean, and I would have never been able to predict uh, the state of things now where there's a large homeless encampment near the art museum and people are tearing, well, trying to tear down statues of Columbus. The Italians aren't happy with that, so... It's not really going too well for the liberals uh, here in Philly. <laughs> it's a very interesting culture war, too, I just, I, that we find ourselves in. Um, yeah, I think these things are really, I, I mean, it's connected to the work that I, that I do on my podcast where I talk about crime and I, and I talk about this promotion of innocence fraud. Mm-hmm. And always, uh, always, and of course, with um, Kamala Harris, being the VP, she's gotten a lot of flack for not test, testing the DNA. Uh, Cooper, mm-hmm. who murdered a whole family, mm-hmm. and eventually that DNA was tested, and, and his and his defense got to handpick the DNA that wow. that was tested in that in that case. And when they did retest it, it all came back. And this is amazing because really what the innocence fraudsters love to do is they love to test DNA that really had nothing to do with the crime scene that likely will have someone else's residual DNA on it. And when they find someone else's DNA, they'll say, oh, that's the murderer, even though all Mm -hmm. the other evidence gets thrown out. Um, And then they'll sue the state and then they'll sue the police and then the money train will keep going. But in this case, all the the DNA came back with his DNA on it. And now people like Kim Kardashian are saying that it's a police conspiracy and the police planted it, OJ style, kind of ironic, <laughs> at the crime scene. So what's going on here? It's always 
it's always just we hear these like terms being thrown around mass incarceration without any thought to, to the mass crime that created that mass incarceration. And if you want to reform drug policy, be my guest, mm. you know, go ahead. That's that's not my concern. My concern is about violent criminals. Right. And the martyrdom and making them into victims and perpetuating this idea that we have some kind of racist judicial system that's just convicting these people just because they're a certain race, black, Latino, whatever it is, or a certain sexuality, whatever they want to use. Yeah, whatever divisive issue it is that, you know, they can attach themselves to. So, I mean, I just see such a connection with what's going on with my neighborhood, uh, Mm. with this kind of... uh, It's kind of on a micro scale, yeah. Changing the goalposts, changing the conversation, so they don't want to talk about violence, they don't want to talk about sexual violence, they don't want to talk about neighborhood safety, they just want to talk about the mean, privileged people who came, not in my backyard type people. You, Karen. Who just can't handle it, who were so not, so uh, devoid of compassion, which right. is the same argument that women hear when they are legally mandated to allow men in their, their restrooms and their women's shelters and everywhere else. So it's all, all these issues are connected is what I'm trying to say. I agree. And it is definitely uh, just an illustration of how little these politicians or this culture at large, I think, cares about the safety of women and children. We always come back to that. It's always we are always discussing that. This is one of our our main concerns, my main concern for sure. And it's just it, it it's wild to me. A, that they're going to tell these people, okay, well, we're going to put them in this luxury hotel and, like, really not give them any... And the homeless people don't even want to stay in it. How telling is that? That's very interesting, you know, to me, uh, as an aside issue, just, like, homelessness and what is it that we... what What is it that we're actually doing for these people? Because if we cared, you know, sustainable housing would be built for them. And... They would be in programs that would help them. And if they were mentally ill, we could institutionalize them. I'm sorry. There are just some people that do not belong in society at large. I, I, you know, that's what I think anyway. Right. And it's really interesting that we don't seem to have any low-level sex offenders, only the most dangerous, only the two most dangerous levels of sexual offenders are being put at this hotel. So odd. Could they just not find any low-level sex offenders to put in these hotels? Not that I want them there. It's just mm. interesting to me. Do you think... But they're not even discussing it on that level. They'll only discuss it as a homeless issue, not not as a, um, a safety issue. Do you think part of this is to uh, make people flee New York and reduce property values so that New York sort of returns to the lawless place it was in the seventies and eighties. Well, I was thinking about, I don't know if that's so much. I think it's just Mm -hmm. the survival rate. When I went to visit Helen Rosenthal's office, all around her office, all the, most of the businesses were shut. Mm -hmm. They couldn't afford the rent. Right. So we had a problem in this neighborhood 
with local businesses staying and being able to thrive in this neighborhood before this. Mm -hmm. So I think she's just, she sees a way to get government money, really taxpayer money and keep these hotels afloat. Mm, And the one hotel owner says it's great. He's had no problems. And while selling his own home in the neighborhood at the same time, very interesting. What's going on with the staff at these places? Is there, is it like the same maids and stuff in there? Like having to clean up after all of these people or I'd be very interested to find out and and good luck trying to get in there with COVID. (laughs) So, and that's another really good point, which is that, all this is being done in in darkness. Mm-hmm. So we don't know what's what's going on in secrecy. We you can't and because and COVID is a great reason. Try to get it, try to go in there. I, I, I would guarantee you that they wouldn't let you in if you if you tried to go in and even investigate. All the reports that I have seen have been done from the sidewalk. So right. that's another really good point. Yeah, I just don't know what's going on in there and, like, who, you know, speaking of safety, like, what about the people who are working at these hotels? Like, are they still working there? Are they now working for this this population of people? It's just so strange to me that, like, they wouldn't – and you're right, it is. It's a money grab to keep the – Yeah, it's just, it's just anything. And she said she'd want more. Of course she'd want more because she has not – she's not a person – that I've seen come up, she's always playing defense. She's not someone I've seen who's come up with great solutions to problems. Mm. So she has a she has an issue there. So she's not a creative thinker. She's more a reactionary type. Mm. And in this case, you can see her. There's a great little video on Twitter of her talking to some angry people from the neighborhood. And she, um, the one person who knows the most about the issues is the most persistent. I didn't see him as being aggressive, but clearly, clearly has Helen Rosenthal did. Helen Rosenthal turned her back on him and said, I won't talk to you about yeah. this because you're being so rude to me. And she said, I gave you an answer. You didn't like it. And then her answer was that her, that her main job was to give the homeless everything they need. These are, these are not her constituents. <laughs> no, no, no answering to her own constituents. It's so, uh, it just, I feel like I'm in clown world. Yeah. And I worry for my own safety. Mm. And I see this as also a, a larger framing where nobody takes responsibility for their own behavior. If you don't like being public masturbation, if you don't like being stabbed in the subway, if you don't like sexual predators living next to, and child rapists living next to your playground, then there's something wrong with you. What's wrong with you? And that's a cult tactic. Mm-hmm. It's wild. It's wild. It's wild. <laughs> it's wild and unbelievable. I can't. Yeah, I, I'm. Every time you send me links about this, I'm just sort of left speechless. And the coverage of it, like I probably wouldn't know it was going on unless you were telling me about it. Um. And I think it's probably just been super local news if if it's being reported on in the mainstream at all. I'm uh, waiting for the rest of America to 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 
catch on. I think it's a fascinating story. And I think it's so emblematic of, like I said, of the discussion that's going on in America. If you don't like looting, then you're racist. If you don't like this, then it's always, Mm -hmm. it's always, always turn back on yourself. Yeah, because it's satanic. Sorry, that's just my uh, it's just such an inversion, and yeah, they're gonna shame the victim. It's uh, it's basically Darvo, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, and and all these and all these politicians are are including Kamala Harris are, are championing bail reform, which basically mm-hmm. to lets lets someone just go, get arrested, get released, get and and free to reoffend. So you see, like a revolving door of people going in and out of um, jail. Yeah, and this is sort of off topic, but what was it that Kamala Harris was in trouble for some sort of, um, I guess the right is upset with her about some sort of like pedophile priest. Do you know anything about that case? Oh, it's Kevin Cooper that uh, she's getting a lot of flack um, from the left and the right on, which is absolutely ridiculous. She did the right thing, but it's also a thing that the... um, Left will use and the innocence fraud movement will use, will use to say, if you oppose these ridiculous demands of these defense lawyers, get ready. We will publicly shame you. We will, we will call you someone, I don't know, someone who's for mass incarceration. Instead of calling you a common sense prosecutor, we'll, we'll just, uh, right. we'll label you all sorts of things. And because nobody has, no journalist has the time, even though the Kevin Cooper case is very famous, it, 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 it amazed me that nobody's coming out and, and writing articles about what this is really about. And it's very interesting when uh, Joe Rogan had Jason Sloan on and another gentleman from one of these innocence organizations. They talked about the Kevin Cooper case and Kamala Harris, but they never mentioned the case name. So you can't look it up. You can't mm. read the transcripts. And even when they do mention the name, who's going to have the time to read the transcripts? Who's going to have the time to really follow the facts on, find the facts on this case? So they can control the narrative that way. And they've been doing that for, for years. Mm-hmm. Because our journalists are either lazy journalists or activist journalists. It's hard to know which. Uh, lazy activists, just PR writers. They're not really journalists. Uh, I just feel like the lack of integrity is astounding. And perhaps they've been taught to just uphold the mainstream narrative and not go after stories um, there are some people out there. There's like a handful, I guess, of like alternative journalists that are doing some really interesting work. Um, but yeah, it's just the state of things today. It just is an inversion. We're, we're definitely embroiled in a culture war. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the biggest takeaway for me is that if you if you think for yourself and you see the tactics of these people, it doesn't matter what your own values or beliefs are. If like you think that free speech is important and that reality is important, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> these issues should you should you know right away be perked up by these things. I think that's another really good point. It's a total denial of reality, mm-hmm. and it's making a very specific reality a political issue. Mm-hmm. When this is not a political issue, this is a day to day reality for the people living in this neighborhood, for the families that have to coexist with this with this kind of crime. Mm-hmm. 
And I think when we talk about police reform, <laughs> you know, uh, rarely does public safety come come into the the discussion. And who's talking about what journalist is talking about innocent fraud besides uh, Martin Pry? I mean, I mean, I mean, who else? I mean, that is, this is a, probably one of the biggest frauds going on in America right now. And I know it's me and Martin Pryde. That's and maybe some anti-death penalty organization. That's, well, that's we'll have to it. do uh, a whole different episode about that. <laughs> Hopefully, um, well, get ready for a lot more of it. Get ready for a lot more of it. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just fraud and corruption everywhere you look. Um, to I think bolster the agenda of of certain people. I'm not. It's entirely clear what the agenda is. I know that we're, you know, in this very strange right think, wrong think, Orwellian era where if you, you're right, if you disagree with any of these policies, um, any of these tactics, you're a racist or you're a homophobe or you're transphobe. So I don't know. I don't know what else to add there. Is there anything else so, you want to say I'm, I'm about I'm just New really York? happy I could talk to you about about this and share what's what's going on. Yeah, because otherwise I would have no idea what's going on in New York. And I think that's the other issue with mainstream media is that, like, yeah, we get these big sensationalized stories, but the the real stories that are affecting the reality of the people in those places are not told. And I think that's um, some damning evidence of the corruption of the, of our mainstream media. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. Uh, Roberta Glass, check out her podcast. Is there anything else you want to plug while we're here? No, you can find me on Twitter. You can also join my Facebook group, Roberta Glass True Crime Report. And um, I'm on a million different platforms. Yeah, you're so better at that than I me. I can't everything else, Freaker. <laughs> Cash boxings I've never even heard of. I'm not. So check it out.